everybody. Welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. I'm here today with a miracle story from the Old Testament. Uh, in my notes, I've called it Naaman, and that's the guy's name the story's about, Naaman and the not particularly heroic miracle cure, but I, I think I'm going to go with something shorter when I upload it. Um, before I get to Naaman, I've got to remind you about Elisha. Do you remember Elisha, the prophet who took up Elijah's mantle? Like, literally, he wore Elijah's old coat. And uh, he had the power of God, just as strong as the famous prophet Elijah had had it. I told that story back in episode 17, and in episode 16, I told the story of Elijah. Maybe you remember, Elijah didn't get along with King Ahab of Israel for many reasons, but part of it was that Ahab worshipped the god Baal instead of the Lord God, and also Ahab did some corrupt stuff, misusing his power as king. And Elijah told him it was bad, and God would make bad things happen to him because of it. Well, King Ahab died. He died in battle with the people of Aram. Actually, so remember that, because the Aramaeans are part of this story. His firstborn son became king and died pretty quick. So then his second son, Joram, became the next king of Israel, and then in an unrelated event... Elijah was taken up to heaven in a tornado and a chariot made of fire, and Elijah's follower, Elisha, became the next prophet of the Lord. Well, you can hear that story in more detail if you want to go back to episode 17. But the important thing is, Elisha and the king and King Joram didn't get along. One time, the king of Judah was like, you know, because the, the whole nation of Israel split into two, remember? So you have Judah and Israel. And the king of Judah was teaming up with King Joram of Israel, and the king of Judah was like, don't you have a prophet here? We should ask him for help. And so he made King Joram talk to Elisha, and Joram didn't want to, and Elisha didn't want to. Elisha was like, yeah, I would continue to pretend that you don't even exist, except I respect the king of Judah, so I'll answer your questions. And that's what things were like between the king of Israel and the prophet of Israel. Well, over in Aram, an on-again, off-again enemy of Israel and Judah, there was this guy whom God liked called Naaman. He was a commander in the army of Aram. Everyone in Aram really liked him because God gave him victories in battle. I don't really know why, because he like he wasn't in Israel or Judah. He, he was from like the enemy, kind of. And he didn't worship the Lord God either, but still God liked Naaman. Only despite God helping Naaman in battle, Naaman was having some problems in his life. In particular, he had a disease. This disease gets translated as leprosy, but it doesn't really mean the same thing as leprosy in modern medicine, like the diagnosis. Basically, it was a skin disease, as though, although as far as making a medical diagnosis, it could be any number of problems involving skin rashes, and it was probably really painful and may or may not be contagious. But beyond the physical disease aspect of leprosy in the Bible, the significance back then was that it was a skin disease that made the person ritually unclean, or unclean for the purpose of rituals. So a lot of temples had rules that unclean people couldn't go in to worship the gods, and sometimes unclean people couldn't get hugs. I mean, they didn't really know about germ theory. So if you had a disease that looked like a disease that maybe had spread, you better not touch people. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. So sometimes in some cultures, unclean people couldn't be hugged or be touched by, by other people who didn't have the same disease. They might not even be able to live in the same place as other people for fear they'd spread the uncleanliness. So leprosy would kind of wreck someone's life. And also, people usually believed that you got it as a punishment for sin. So there was a lot of shame involved in having that kind of disease. And Naaman, the favorite commander of Aram, had leprosy and it was hard. 
Now his wife had a slave girl who was from Israel, and Naaman's wife was probably pretty sad about her husband having leprosy, so the girl, who the text doesn't name, said that she wished Naaman could go to Israel and be cured by the prophet there. And Naaman's wife felt really hopeful, and she got really excited about this possibility, and she told her husband Naaman. And Naaman also got excited about the possibility, and he told the king that maybe someone in Israel could help him. And the king said, of course you should go, I'll send you a letter. So Naaman packed up some fancy new clothes to offer his gifts, and he took a lot of gold and silver as a payment, and he took a road trip to Israel with like chariots and donkeys and stuff, maybe camels, I don't know. He went to the court where King Joram lived, and he gave this letter to King Joram of Israel, and the letter from the king of Aram said, this is my servant Naaman. I am sending him to Israel so you can cure him of leprosy. Signed, the king of Aram. Well, the king of Aram probably assumed that a country with a prophet who could cure leprosy would have that guy on the king's staff, that the prophet would be in like a place of honor, and the king would of course know that he had such a great prophet. But remember, King Joram and Elisha hate each other. And King Joram of Israel got this letter asking him to cure Naaman, and he, King Joram, did not know how to cure leprosy. He got really upset about that letter. He threw kind of a fit in front of everyone in court saying, am I God? Like, I can't heal people. And he ripped his clothes. He just tore his clothes off of his chest as an expression of how upset he was. And he said that the king of Aram was only trying to pick a fight with him by asking him to do an impossible job. Well, word got around about this fit, and the prophet Elisha heard that King Joram had done that, and he sent a message to Joram saying, why are you freaking out? Send the man to me, and he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman then went to Elisha's house with his whole entourage, his donkeys loaded down with gifts, and his servants accompanying him, so he looked like a very important rich man. But Elisha didn't even come to the door. He stayed inside, and he sent his servant, and with this message that said, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you will be cleaned and healed. Well, Naaman got really upset. He was like insulted. He was upset at being told by some messenger to take a bath. He came all this way and he was thinking the great prophet Elisha would come out and pray, wave his hands over him, maybe do a little ceremony and poof, he'd be cleansed. He stomped off really angrily, saying if he thought a bath would cure him, he would just wash in the rivers at home. And besides, they're better rivers anyway, he thought. But his servants said, um, if the prophet had asked you to do a great heroic feat to be cured, you would try it. So why don't you at least try this? Like, what could happen? Take a bath. So he calmed down and he's like, okay, that's reasonable. I'll give it a try. So he went into the Jordan River and he dipped himself underwater, one dip. And he went down under the water again, two dunks, up, down, three dunks, four dunks. He still has leprosy, five, yep, six dunks, and seven. And when he came up from the water the seventh time, he looked at his arms and he saw that his skin was cured. Not just cured, his skin was as soft and smooth as a baby's skin, better than before. So he went back to Elisha's house, feeling much better and looking like he felt much better. And he said, now I know there's no God in all the world except here in Israel. And he tried to give Elisha the gifts he'd brought as payment for the miracle. He's like, don't you, won't you let me pay you? And Elisha's like, no, I can't accept these gifts. And they went back and forth. And then finally Naaman agreed not to give him the presents as the payment. 
And Naaman said, well, if you will not take these gifts, at least give me one thing. I want to take two bags of dirt home with me. Because after seeing this, I can't worship the gods of my homeland anymore. So uh, I think what is happening here is he thought the Lord God was just in Israel. Because gods tended to just live in one place. That's what they believe, that a god was a god of a place. And he thought, that's why taking a bath in the river Jordan in Israel had worked. But he figured if he brought some dirt, like a little piece of the earth from Israel, home with him, maybe he could still worship the Lord God from there. Only he told Elisha that he still had to go with his king when the king went into the temple back home to worship the Aramean gods. And when the king bowed, he would have to bow too, because that's like the rule. So he asked Elisha to ask God to forgive him for doing that. And Elisha told him, go in peace. So Naaman began traveling home, healed, except one more thing happened. After Naaman had left, Elisha's servant named Gehazi decided he thought it was silly for Elisha to turn down the gifts Naaman had offered as payment, and he ran after him. And Naaman said, is something wrong? And Gehazi made up this whole story to get some of the treasure Naaman had offered. He's like, actually, my master Elijah just has some company. We didn't know it was coming. Oh my gosh. What are we going to do? We, we could use some clothes and money to give them. And, you know, I know you had some. So and Naaman was like, oh, that's great. I'll give you I'll, however much you need. I'll give it to you. And um, so he gave the things that Gehazi asked for to him. And he sent her servants home with Gehazi to carry them. And then uh, when they got near home, Gehazi took everything himself and brought them home and hid them inside his house. And he sent the servants away so they didn't know what he was doing. And then Elisha saw Gehazi come back out of his house. He's like, what are you doing? What were you just doing, Gehazi? And Gehazi is like, oh, nothing. i just been right here this whole time. But like, Elisha has magic knowledge because he's a prophet. And you can't really lie to prophets like that. So he knew that Gehazi was lying. And he said that since Gehazi had accepted payment for Naaman's cure, then he would get Naaman's curse. And then Gehazi had the skin disease and he didn't get to work with Elisha anymore and he had to leave. But Naaman lived happily ever after, as far as I know. Well, the Aramaeans, I'm going to tell another little story here because it's some weird, fun stuff and it won't make up a whole episode on its own. So, you know, might as well. The Aramaeans kept fighting Israel for a while, even though the prophet in Israel had, like, just cured Naaman, their favorite hero. But uh, King Joram of Israel was, like, this pretty selfish king and a bad ruler, and he didn't like God or Elisha, so Elisha didn't really side with him too much. There's like this one time the king of Aram had the city of Samaria and Israel under siege. And the siege, like the army is surrounding your city, so it's really hard to get supplies into the city. That's basically what a siege is. That's like the point of it, to weaken the city by making sure that people can't eat anything or get new supplies to like make weapons. And the people were like really hungry and they asked King Joram, their king, for help because they were starving. But he said, if God can't help you, I don't know how I'm supposed to help you. And um, then he felt like, he's like, this is all Elisha's fault. And he tried to kill Elisha, but he didn't succeed. And then there was this one other time where the Arameans kept raiding Israel. They were like going into villages and stealing stuff, or at least that was the plan. But as soon as the king of Aram made a plan, the people in Israel would be on their guard. Like they knew all the plans. And at first the king thought, he's like, I have traitors. Some of you are spying on me. Someone is in my secret circle is telling everything I say to the king of Israel. But um, the people said, oh no, there's a prophet in Israel. So anything, every word you whisper in your own bedroom, the prophet Elisha knows it and he tells the king immediately. And that's why they can't get any good tactical advantages, no surprise attacks. 
So then the king of Aram decided to send people straight for Elisha to kill him. I mean, Elisha would know it was coming, but then after that, boom, perfect plan because Elisha won't be able to warn the king of Israel anymore, right? Even though, like, Elisha had saved his right-hand man, so that's pretty shameful. But anyway, the whole company headed for Elisha's city, and Elisha's servants were scared. But Elisha said, oh, don't worry about that army that's coming. Our side is bigger and more powerful than their side. The servant looked around like, here's our household, here's our little city, what's going on? But then Elisha prayed, Lord, let him see. So the servant looked around again, and now he saw what had previously been invisible, horses and chariots of fire, a huge previously invisible army of fire, presumably with angels too, like driving the chariots. And they they were surrounding the Arameans and there were lots of chariots of fire and they were on the hills, which gave them a tactical advantage. Always take the high ground if you can. That's a Bible stories for heathen children, official primitive battle tip for you. But anyways, there they were surrounding the Arameans and the Arameans had no idea they were there, but they didn't attack, not exactly. Elisha said, Lord, make their army not see. So suddenly, the human Aramean army were all blind. And Elisha said to the people, the Arameans, he says, uh, Hey, you seem lost. You seem to not know where you're going. This is not the city you're looking for. I will take you to the city and the person you're looking for. So they, not being able to see, and I guess not knowing what Elisha sounded like, followed him to the city of Samaria, where the king of Israel was. Because, like, an old man offering to lead them after they've been mysteriously struck blind is not suspicious at all. But on the other hand, what are they supposed to do, you know? So then Elisha told the army of his invisible angels to let the Aramean army see again, and they opened their eyes, and they saw they were in the enemy city of Samaria. They were captured. And King Joram of Israel got really excited, and he's like, he asked Elijah to let him kill them, and they captured. He's like, may I kill them, my father? May I kill them? But Elisha's like, no, you don't just kill people you capture most of the time. And then King Joram was like, he really wanted to kill them, but he was wise enough to listen to Elisha because you probably shouldn't disobey a man who commands an invisible army. So then Elisha made King Joram give the Aramean army a big feast and they gave them all this food and everyone ate. And then Elisha sent them away and they went home and they stopped attacking. And there was finally peace between the Arameans and the Israelites for a little while. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed that story. That's actually all I got for now. Some fun and strange stories from the book called Second Kings. It's usually written to kings if you ever wanted to Google it, you know, maybe to read some of the details. Anyway, you can come back in two weeks for a version of the Christmas story in which I will tell a story unscripted to my kids just for a change of pace. Or, uh, hey, you can go back to episode 13 from last year for the more organized version of the Christmas story if you're in the mood for that. I cannot believe it's going to be the second Christmas on the podcast already. So uh, whether you've been listening from the first few episodes or if you're just finding the podcast, I really appreciate you for listening. And I'm glad my version of these old stories have found an audience of people who appreciate them. Thanks so much for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child.